The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. The winner of yesterday's Halloween costume contest. And we weren't having one or anything. <laughs> I just made it up right now. But the winner is Ozzy Osbourne. He dressed up for Halloween yesterday. Did I, did I see that picture right where Sharon's behind like a, a pillow? She's yeah. Like, yeah. So Ozzy is dressed up as Kanye West. Oh. It is the Kanye, and I don't remember, this wasn't too long ago, where Kanye was in all black, black clothing with a black coat, uh, mask, pants, shoes, gloves, sunglasses. I mean, from head to toe covered in black clothing. That's what he was. That's what Ozzy Osbourne did. What was Sharon? Sharon is, uh, she is dressed, I guess, as Kanye's new wife or girlfriend or however. Is Kanye married again, Travion? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. That's weird. <laughs> eh, that's weird. I don't know who the wife is, but it's Sharon just with a purple pillow in front of her, and she appears to be naked. She looks I'm naked. I'm sure she's wearing some tan bodysuit thing, but yeah, that that's the image that she... It's like, that, she's got to be 70, right? Oh, yeah. Sharon Osbourne? Oh, yeah. I want to see that. She Shout don't. to all the 70 She's 71. Yeah, but golly. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G. Owen Burke, Travion Berklin. Owen's back on the board. He's training once again with Travion. The phone number 537-1350. We're a bit busy here in the uh, the first hour because we had a couple of guests. Also, I wanted to squeeze in there real quick. Uh, eight years ago today, the Royals won the 2015 World Series. Oh, God. No, man. In five games. And what, game five's tonight, right? Yes, it is. Rangers. And the Rangers about to lock it up which would be the first ever since their founding in 61 as the Washington Senators. Is there four? Is it four major league teams that don't have a World Series? I believe that that's right, yeah. Championship? Yeah. And the Rangers would be one of them. Yeah, good for them. Mariners? Who else? Padres. Padres. And Devil Rays. No. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Devil mm-hmm. Rays. And Rays. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Not the Royals, though, baby. They 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 were kings for a year. It was amazing. Try I'll give you uh, ten bucks if you could tell me the starting lineup for that game. That game five. <laughs> I don't even have it in front of me, but I think I have it down. Uh, Garcia's out for one thing. No, 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 no. Oh. In fifteen. Oh, oh, for the Royals. Oh, heck, no. Heck. <laughs> Who cares about the? I was about to give you the Rangers starting lineup. Are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> we know Max Scherzer's not going. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Or so, Garcia. <laughs> yeah, Garcia's out. Um, <laughs> and they just crushed the Diamondbacks they did. last night. They did. Um, Marcus Simeon, what a what a sign for them because that guy like went nuts last night. Yeah, he went nuts, and Corey Seager's been having a series. I mean, it, I, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Somebody said it best on Twitter. They're like, the Diamondbacks blacked out and woke up in the World Series. <laughs> they were like, wait, what? What are we doing here? Uh, that would be the Rockies in 2007 <laughs> yeah. against the Red Sox. Thank you. Wait yes. a minute. We're where? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, but, boy. Let's see. The Royals would have led off with Alcides Escobar. Uh-huh. Batting second would have been, would that have been Ben Zobrist? Would mm-hmm. Zobrist have been second? 
Third would be Lorenzo Cain. Mm-hmm. Who would back cleanup? Sal? Would Salvi? Maybe Hosmer? Hosmer. Hosmer batting fourth. Yeah. Um, fifth, Salvi. Sixth, Moustakis. Okay. I was thinking more Moustakis would be like eight or nine. But maybe six. I don't know. And then you have seven. It's got to be. Uh... Well, Paulo Orlando would have been the right fielder. <laughs> I think he's after. He's oh, after the World Series. No, he played. He was on that team. Wow. Because I thought yeah. that had been Ben Zobrist. Because ben, Alex Gordon, of course. Alex mm-hmm. Gordon's going to bat. And Alex fourth. Gordon, yeah. Oh, would, would Alex Gordon been fourth yeah, in that lineup? Yeah. That that's a really good that's a really good question. As it as enthralled as we all were in that season, the la, the two seasons really, I can't t- I can't make it out of the the first two. Troy got it pulled up. Troy who was the uh, who was the li- who, oh? Let me guess on the pitcher. We forgot about the pitcher. I don't remember who won the game, but I'm pretty sure Edson Volquez was the starting pitcher that day. Correct. Nice. Let's go. That was nice. Escobar, Zobrist, Kane, Hosmer, Mustakas, Perez, Gordon, Rios. Oh, Alex Rios. Alex Rios. So it wasn't Paul oh Orlando. Oh, my God. Alex Rios. And Volquez because it was being played in New York. In New York, no DH. Oh, who, wait, oh that's who, right. Yeah, who, yeah. Who, was second ba- who played second base? That, Zobrist. Well, that'd be Zobrist, yeah. Zobrist. Yeah. Okay, so who was the winning pitcher? I don't think it would have been Wade Davis. No, it wouldn't have been Wade Davis. <laughs> Hochevar. Hochevar. Hoche- Luke Hochaver? Yeah. <laughs> it's a name I've not thought about maybe since 2015. You know what? And, man, bless his heart because he stunk for a long time. And then that role that they placed him in, he was wonderful for like seven pitches. You could remove the for a long time off the end of that sentence. He did stink. I mean, yeah, I mean that's stunk. yeah. But that's, then they that's, found that's it. That's why I halfway laughed when I saw who was the winning pitcher. You know, like he forever, no matter what, has that over everybody. Wow, the World Series winning pitcher. How about that? He was so bad. But that setup, the setup, 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 setup guy position that they st- he perfect. perfect. Guys, remember who had the game winning hit? Yeah, Christian Cologne. Bingo. He His was, first at bat of the postseason. Yeah, dude. He, I think. Like, that guy, uh, forever living in the, the I, mean, I mean, the big one in the wild card game. And well, yes, has, I was there. You go because I was trying to think of the other big hit he had for Kansas City in the, the postseason, year, but it was the year, year prior. Before. Yeah, but that was it was another huge one. Because well, his hit tied the game. Yeah, well, he tied the game. I think he also scored the winning run. He did. He did. Or maybe he was pinch. I I don't remember the wild card he, that well. No, he other did. Other than the comeback, that, Sal was the one with the the sure. big hit. Um, but Christian Cologne came. Came up big. Oh, days of yore, man. What a what a memory. That was a Sunday night. I remember Aggieville was just going bonkers at the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. The good days of, uh, I, you know, in my lifetime, I've had a couple of good years of uh, mm-hmm. Kansas City Royals baseball. All right, let's get to uh, the show here. We got the Mitch Holtz's Voice of the Chiefs coming up at 440. Guys, it's Wednesday, and you know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight from the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. By the way, this Saturday... AEW live in Wichita, the Interest Bank Arena for AEW Collision, which will air on TNT. What? So how about that? AEW TNT in Kansas. The two days later, the Cats on eight on TNT. Yeah. 
in Las Vegas. No. How about that? That's a schedule right there. Holy moly. I ain't moving. And guess who's going? Owen's going. Yeah, but I'm not. Yeah, born and raised in Wichita, so obviously I just crashed night at my parents' house. Get to watch them wrestling on Saturday, so can't beat it. But we're also joined by Derek Young from KSN Align. D.Y., sorry to get to you so late here. Let's just jump right into uh, some K-State football. A couple of questions just about the win this past Saturday. 41-0 over the Houston Cougars. Coach and even Will was saying that Will Howard may have played his best football against Houston. Would you agree with that comment? I would. This season, yeah, I Maybe not ever. I, I think you look back to Oklahoma State and Baylor from a year ago, and those two performances are a little tough to top, especially when you consider that I think Kansas State was getting Houston at the right time. But but this season by far, just because I agree with his assessment um, and basically a simple summary of how he did, and that for probably the first time all year, it seemed like start to finish, he actually, excuse me, he actually took what the defense gave him rather than forcing the issue a few times here and there that, you know, could sometimes result, you know, in a silly turnover or, or just a bad decision in general. So I would say this year, not not in totality of his career. Based, I, I want to ask you a question, though, because I was okay. listening to you before you asked me that question. And so I got a tri- tri- well, sort of a trivia question. Do you know what happened – I don't know if it was last night. I think two nights ago in the KFC Yum Center. Oh, yeah. Louisville lost to a D2 school in an exhibition, right? <laughs> yeah. Louisville lost to Kentucky Wesleyan at home at the KFC Yum Center in an exhibition game. Now, I think some of these exhibition games are get too much stock and weight put into them. But considering how Louisville played last year, I don't think that's a ringing endorsement. Well, but let's also remember that Kentucky Wesleyan has been a pretty good Division II program. They've won some national titles of late. I didn't know that. Yeah, I would never know that. (laughs) I'm I'm just noting it because, well, I'm that much of a dork. You scheduled them, you know? What's going on with that? Exactly. (laughs) I mean, the only reason I know that is because I had it for Jabroni of the Week. (laughs) Yeah, right. basketball expert over here. Well, I'll, I'll go D3 football. I'm good at that. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, you got a final score for tonight's exhibition against Emporia State? Uh, no, I don't off the top okay. of my head. No. <laughs> uh, you know, defensively, you know what for what K-State's done the last couple of games, I mean, Coach put it pretty simple. It's been really good team defense. I'm, I'm going to put you uh, – I'm going to give you a, a hard question maybe to answer. Yeah. Um, if you were to give me one player that has stood out to you the most in these two dominant defensive performances for K-State, who has been your favorite player? You know, that is a tough question. For Houston, it was probably Will Lee, but I know you're going across two different games, so it's a kind of a body of work thing, and it's hard to go Will Lee then because he, he obviously had his snaps limited or may not have even played against TCU, if I remember correctly. So it's probably a toss-up between Desmond Purnell and VJ Payne. Any particular reason why for VJ Payne? Uh one of, probably the most improved player on the team. I think okay. some of that's because he and Kobe Savage um twisted spots there. I think it was after the Oklahoma State game, I want to say, or or maybe uh, maybe even sooner than that. But yeah, he's really turned things around. Uh, I think part, you know, probably most 
of the reason why Kansas State's defense has improved leaps and bounds and is now not surrendering the explosive play as much or as frequently as they were is because of the safety play. And VJ Payne really sticks out the most. I'd have to go back and you know double check my work here, but I believe in the last three games, three of the top four best tacklers that had the most tackles were guys in the secondary. And typically that's maybe not the best sign in the world, but I, I I'm with you. Like ever since that switch, it just feels like the guys are more at home. And by the way, how about Keenan Garber? I mean, it just feels like he's been a locked down corner, uh, you know, since really, since Will Lee got hurt, he's been getting more time. Yeah, no, he's been good. I, I thought about him as well. In fact, he might, he may have been the best corner in the last two weeks. I, I you know, I mentioned Will Lee because he had the interception and the forced fumble. Mm-hmm. But you look at the snap counts, Keenan Garber had more snaps than both Jacob Parrish and Will Lee against Houston. I feel like this is kind of the question of the week, and I asked Coach, and of course I got a Coach answer. I wasn't you know, shocked by that, but I'll ask you, considering the improvement from K-State from the last three weeks, where Texas is at right now, still you know, when it comes to a ranking and hype, I mean, this is a very big four games coming up for K-State, and it starts out with a number seven team in Texas. But do you feel like where Texas has fallen in K-State's trajectory this season and where it's now on the schedule, this is the absolute right time to play a game in Austin? The, I would say no. Now, hmm. I, I get it from the fact that Kansas State's playing super well, and I kind of found their stride for the first time this year. I mean, they just smoked two teams, 41-0, to 41-3. I think their last nine quarters, they've outscored their opponent. 103 to three. So I get it from that standpoint. The reason why I say no is because I think the best time to get Texas, just because of how these two teams approach this particular game, is right before or right after they play Oklahoma. Hmm. Okay. That's an interesting answer. I'm going to have to bring that up on Powercade Game Day because I'm, I'm going to be curious to what Cole has to say about that. But how winnable is this game because of? What you know, the quarterback situation uh, for Texas, they might be without a couple of starters on defense for Texas. So, how winnable do you feel like this game is? I think it's very winnable. I mean, you got to think about it. This could perhaps be a low scoring game because one thing Texas does is they run the ball pretty well and play good defense, have a great offensive line. Kansas State has our great offensive line, run the ball pretty well, and their defense is starting to come into form. Although, I probably would take Texas's defense over K-State's right now. So it is certainly winnable. And what you really like is that Kansas State is a really good red zone defense. So does Texas. Mm -hmm. Kansas State has a really good third down defense. So does Texas. But you get to throw it at a team playing a red shirt freshman at quarterback in just a second start. Yeah, red zone offense, both Texas and uh, and K-State in the top six in the nation. Red zone Uh, defense, both in the top. Red zone defense, they're both in the top three. Yeah, and they're both excellent on third down on offense as well. Um, let's take our break, D.Y. When we come back, we'll jump now. Uh, when we come back into recruiting, a couple of things of football, of course, and then we'll get to Patrick Nagangba, his visit, and what D.Y. is looking forward to watching in tonight's exhibition for K-State Hoops when we come back on the game.
We are back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, Owen Burke, Travion Berkland hanging out in studio. We're back with Derek Young from K-State Online. What a weekend it was for K-State hoops in the visit for Patrick Nagongba. Wasn't Big Papa, but it was Big Pat in town. And we saw the signs all over town. You know, D.Y., you've been obviously covering college athletics and recruiting for a long time. Have you ever seen anything like that from a community reaction to a big-time recruit coming to town? No, and, and, and I'm not saying it's staged, by the way. I'm, but when I say this, I just want to make that clear. But I think that's also, you know, one of those things that's really built and manufactured and created by the coaching staff as well because that is, the you know, the selling point. You, you yeah. see the, the social media graphics and all that, that they're trying to – let him know how big of a deal that he could be in Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, he kind of got that clue, right, when a lot of the signs were exactly the same, and you saw him all over town. I don't know about the business signs like that, like Mead Lumber, we brought him up uh, yesterday, but it was still really cool to say. I mean, people were taking pictures of it. It's about putting it on social media, tagging Patrick in it, hey, come to K-State. But have you heard any reaction on maybe how well they felt the, uh, the visit went? Well, I think they felt incredible about their chances before the visit, and I think that they thought it was a home run. That I don't think you really ever, you know, finish a visit thinking, "Oh, we could have done more, should have done more," or or anything of that nature. So I would be, you know, very surprised if you know that if they didn't, you know, uncover, unturn every stone. I don't think that you can literally go all, all out for that kind of visit and feel like it wasn't a good one. Yeah, Patrick Nagongba is a 6'10 center, 235 pounds out of Warrington, Virginia. This is it was his second visit to Manhattan, right? Correct. It was the visit number two. I want to say that first in is silent, but I'm not sure. Okay. Well, we do know that he's going to make it his announcement on Saturday. We don't know what time yet, as far as I understand, but it's down to three schools in K-State, Duke, and Kentucky. I know Duke the other day just got a commitment, I believe, is actually from the number one recruit in the class, and they got a bunch of small forwards uh, on that class for 2024. But, I mean, if you want, you can make a prediction right now on which direction do you think Nagongba will go on Saturday. You know, I don't have an official prediction because I just haven't heard that that it's necessarily been made. I know that he hasn't told anyone yet or actually given a verbal commitment to a coaching staff yet. My official prediction would be Kansas State or Duke, and it's been that for a while, and I have heard nothing to deter me from that line of thinking. Be- because of the connections and personal relationships, I will lean Kansas State, but I don't think we're at a place where it's, you know, I can say comfortably that they've already won. It. Okay. Speaking with Derek Young from K-State Online, uh, you know, moving on to tonight. Well, first of all, I guess the impact, like to you, we talked about it yesterday on the show. I'd like to hear from your words, just the impact of not having Naquan Tomlin because he was arrested uh, early Sunday morning for disorderly conduct, fighting or brawling, uh, was his charge as a Class 3 misdemeanor, Class C, Class 3, one of them, I don't remember exactly how they put it. But he's been suspended for the, you know, indefinitely. The impact of not having Tomlin for the foreseeable future. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's a stinker, right? He's one of the two or three best players on this team. There's a reason why some of us thought he was snubbed when he was not included on the All-Big 12 team before the year. So it's pretty dramatic, at least in the early going, as they learn more about themselves and who they are without him and get accustomed to a new offensive style, playing a pretty tough schedule. Uh, I Look, I think they're going, to, they're going to be fine at the end of the day. Are you better with him? Of course. Would they love to have him back? Of course. Um, how that looks between now and then is anyone's guess, but they're going to need other guys to step up and, you know, make considerable growth and probably do it in rapid fashion now more quickly than they originally were. And that's, you know, we're talking about the front court, really, because obviously that's where Tomlin plays. If it's, you know, someone like Michaela Rich, who is probably, you know, going to be at the end of the rotation, if at all in the rotation, maybe he, you know, becomes a, a key cog and can start really developing in, in a fast manner. Maybe it's David Gasson really making a splash and turning into an even better player than what we saw a year ago. Maybe it's Arthur Kaluma becoming, you know, more impactful on a certain end of the floor that picks up maybe the slack that's left when you don't have Tomlin. Those, those, those are just a few of the things. Or, you know, Taj Manning can give you really good solid minutes and become a rebounding force. Uh, can Jarrell Colbert do the same? You know, he's similar size, obviously. So th- they're not as good of a team with him. They can become a pretty good team without him. That's probably a work in progress, and it will require other players to step up and, and um, rapidly improve. Last basketball question. I want to kind of ask you the same question you asked Tang yesterday, and that is, is there anything you want or you're looking forward to seeing in this exhibition against Emporia State tonight? Yeah, you want to see them at least have the, the mentality that it takes to be a good rebounding team. Because that that's a you know an area that wasn't great last year, and they were hoping to become a better better on in that element and that component because they were almost top twenty five in defense without with being pretty bad in rebounding. So an even gradual growth there can make a huge difference. So let's see what the mentality is. Do they have someone that's just going to be nasty, physical, and want it more than the other player? Because that's There's a lot of effort when it comes to rebounding. Uh, Offensively, look, the turnovers are probably going to be there. And and it's not going to alarm me if they are. But can this team still find ways to score at a high clip? Um, They keep talking about how good they are shooting. So hopefully we see that kind of matriculate and come to fruition. All right, we're kind of tight here, so I just I'm going to ask you one question about football recruiting. They they flip another kid, uh, North Texas uh, commit has flipped to K State and Jacques or Jack, I don't know how he says it, but Spradley Demps is his last name, three star wide receiver. The question though is, after those three flips, we haven't heard actually any updates lately on Grant Bricks, the four star lineman out of Iowa. Do you know anything lately on him? Well, he just visited Nebraska, which was a little bit spur of the moment kind of thing because I don't think he was initially on their list to be in Lincoln last weekend. So does that look good for the Huskers? It might, but there's also still some rumblings, and we've conveyed it on K-State Online that he might visit each of Kansas State and Oklahoma again. 
So I, I think there was tentative plans for him to be in Manhattan when the Wildcats host Iowa State. All right, we'll wrap it up there. DY, we'll see you in an hour and a half. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Sterek Young from KSL Line here on the game. Again, tight schedule, so let's get to a break. And when we come back, we once again check in with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, next. We are back in the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G. Owen, Burke, Travion Berkland. We are now joined by the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. Kansas City now 6-2 and two after a uh, very surprising loss at Denver last Sunday, 24-9 to the final score. Mitch, before we get to uh, the loss to the, the Broncos, I don't know if you saw this earlier, but um, as of 2027, there'll be an interruption in Farmageddon. K-State and Iowa State will not play for like the first time since 1916. We need to get some awareness on this, a message to the Big 12. Can we get you to tweet out, like, say Farmageddon or anything? We don't want to see this go. No, and this was the – so I guess the only rivalry that's going to be protected will be Kansas. Yep. And everything else is up for grabs, right? You're just going to – with 16 teams, you're going to play um, like this whole rotation. So I guess – and who's Iowa State's rival in this? I mean, the, the other ones are – is it Oklahoma State? Everybody else has got a natural rivalry in this. Well, so, let's, Who is it? So K-State, KU – Arizona, Arizona yep. State, BYU, yep. Utah, and Baylor, TCU sure. are the only protected rivalries. Everybody else is just go for it. Okay. Yep. Um, all right. Well, it's, I mean, Kansas State, Iowa State, such a, it is a rivalry. It's its own rivalry. And there's, and there's where, okay, that's the good, there's good expansion and bad expansion. And the bad part of the expansion is the fact that those two teams won't play. Not, not a fan of all that. Um, Honestly, I would be more of a fan, and you could do this easily, is have four four-team divisions. And if you want to set it up like the NFL, it'd be real easy to do it. Uh, you're going to play your division, um, and the question is who's going to be, like who would be in the uh, you know, the K-State division. It would be you know, KU and Iowa State and probably Colorado. But uh, then you play your division, and then you cross over against the division. There's seven games, and then you play – one team from the other division, eight, nine, you play three non-cons, there's your 12. I mean, I really thought they would do that. Geographically, it looks like it could be set up to do that, but who asked me? So when you don't do that, then you lose your geographic rivalries like K-State and Iowa State. That's, it's not good. I might have to get you on the scheduling committee. <laughs> um, Please, I'll do it. I'll, not, I'll donate my time. Just give me like a round of golf at Palm Desert, like where those guys always go to for their meetings. Well, a lot didn't go well for the Chiefs in Denver this past Sunday. Just the second loss of the year, 24-9. The final three field goals by Harrison Butker was it. I don't know, maybe you could blame Taylor Swift for not being there and the offense just not performing well without her there. But a lot just didn't go right, did it, for Kansas City? No, and help me if I'm – we talked last week, right? Because I, I thought mm-hmm. I sounded the alarm on this game. Uh, there's a lot of things. One, so give credit to Denver first and foremost, and to Sean Payton for keeping the boat in the water. I also said they needed a win to sink their teeth into, plus they're sick of losing to uh, the Chiefs for 16 straight times. That's why K-State, get ready. You got to go think about it now. Don't think about it now, but don't think it's the same old KU. KU's good, and they're sick of 14 straight losses. Just get ready. It's so. But that's what the Chiefs ran into against the Denver Broncos. Factor that in, oh, Mahomes is sick. He was sick up all night, sick. 
They're trying to get him ready, pumping him, trying to get him fluids, um, getting the fact that the Chiefs turn it over. They're driving the three main turnovers. They fumble at the five. It's 27 degrees and snow. I mean, it's all of that. Not an excuse. Denver gets credit. But it wasn't like Denver dominated the game. The Chiefs could have won that game about four or five times, but the drops were just brutal. It reminded me, honestly, of the Friday night in Stillwater, where you're going, this game is like trying to walk in molasses. You just There's nothing can't, trying to get over the hump and can't get over the hump. It did not resemble K-State, Oklahoma State. When it comes a week after, it felt like Kansas City really found some consistency finally with the wide receivers against the Chargers. But, you know, the, the, the wide receivers, if you ask a bunch of you know Kansas City fans, I think the majority of them would, ask, would say that not happy with the way the wide receivers have played as a group, but still maybe trying to figure out if we were to pinpoint it on one or two things, what exactly is the issue with the wide receiver play? Do, do you have a pinpoint of that, of, of what exactly these guys need to do better? To me, it would be a sense of awareness and then confidence. But I think the sense of awareness starts where, uh, and even Marcos Valdez Scanling, now you're going to get stripped of the ball some, but his target area is so long that it's easy to wail on him. There's a lot of hitting area. Compare him to like a Steve Smith where you're going, where do I hit this guy? Even a Tyler Lockett, you have a hard time getting a big rock and hit on him because the, the target is small. And it doesn't mean he's a little guy. It's just he's a tall, gangly kind of guy, and Josie Jewell's going to come in and strip the ball. Well, that's an awareness of, hey, we're playing a team that's going to rip our flesh off. We better, if you catch it today, I mean, you got to catch, tuck, and go, protect the ball with your life. Uh, Rashi Rice, that drop is brutal, where the Chiefs, okay, the Broncos go eight minutes and 30 seconds and do not score. That's the Justin Reed block field goal. And the you're going to have an 18-yard catch. It's right there. And it's a matter of, dude, you've got to lock in before that. this is coming to me. I've got to have the key uh, past it to keep the drive going. So, it's and that one was disappointing because Rashi Rice was the guy who had been showing some consistency three straight weeks. And then the corner route, the over route actually was an over route where it's, it's right there for the touchdown to Sky Morning drops. I mean, and then he's just fighting confidence again. But you've got to have a sense of urgency or awareness or you cannot play in this league. Were you surprised that Kansas City did not maybe go for another wide receiver before the trade deadline? Who say they didn't, Mitch? Just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean they didn't try. So I'm not saying they did or didn't. Beach doesn't call me and ask me. But we all think, hey, they didn't they didn't get one, they didn't try. That's not necessarily the case, I don't think. Um, but who's out there to get that's gonna be, you know, make a drastic change that won't be something that you're because people say, uh, think about during the draft, we go, you get in trouble if you go for the position of need and you overreach. And when you're either giving up too much value, uh, for or just value, you're giving up too much value for that spot for gaining what uh was there a slam dunk guy to take in this i don't know if donovan peoples jones is going to be that guy that's going to be all right we're good now and some would say uh you know going down the line i just there just wasn't anybody available that you're going to get that the value uh, that you're going to have to give up 
doesn't look like you're somewhat desperate and it causes problems uh, later. It's it's you not getting your wife the gift and you're going, I'll take I'll take the ten thousand dollar thing and put it on my credit card. You're like, God, why did I just pay ten thousand dollars for that? Right. So uh, so there's there's just a lot of factors in there too. I mean, we're not playing a, a board game or a video game where it's easy to do. Hey, all that's fair enough. I just heard the rumors out there, and I'm glad you uh, you explained it the way that you did. Now on the horizon is a game in Frankfurt, Germany. The Dolphins, who are the hottest team in in football right now, at least it feels it that way at at six and two, will be the opponent. Now, just from my you know what I'm looking forward to seeing is Kansas City's defense against the Dolphins' offense, who's the best in the NFL. But I'd love to hear your thoughts and and keys to this game against the Dolphins in Germany. Well, the, the biggest concern for me from a Chiefs perspective is, and it's what K-State will face when they play KU, is you're facing an opponent that has a much bigger factor in that game than just a single game and playing for you know supremacy in the AFC. And that is the fact that the Dolphins have won 12 straight games against teams with losing records. They've not beat a team with a winning record when they played them since, I believe, week three of a year ago. So what is the mantra with the Dolphins, if you're going to be a Dolphin detractor, is, oh, they're putting up video game numbers, but who are they beating? And they played two good teams that had winning records, and they got throttled. I mean, the Eagles beat them, and the Bills beat them. So here we go to Deutschland, and if the Dolphins win this game, they're going, see, we sunk our teeth into this one and this counts more than just a single win because we beat a really good team so we belong in the discussion with oh the chiefs the bills the bengals the ravens and we should be right in there and then so my thought here uh is the fact that and here's here's the interesting thought you know where the where the dolphins are really explosive you're thinking tyree kill i got it it's the best first eight weeks in nfl history for a receiver I don't think there's been a receiver in the NFL with a 2,000-yard season, and Tyreek is literally running for it. Uh, the cheat is on his way. Okay. Here's where the game is lost if you're the Chiefs. And this is where, when they get going, the Dolphins, there have been 14, Mitch, there have been 14 total runs in the NFL in eight weeks of 50 yards or more, and the Dolphins have four of them. Hmm. The Dolphins have, they not only get chunk runs, they get explosive jet chip wasp equivalent runs. Raheem Mostert has peeled off a lot. Now the Chiefs are getting a break. They don't have to play Devon Achen in this game. And uh, he's still on IR. Now that's a break because that dude is Tyree Kill in the run game. Now you've got to respect, obviously, Tyree Kill, and you've got to play him, meaning you can't put seven or eight in the box. But the six slash seven that you've got in the box have got to be aware that the Miami Dolphins' giant challenge here is they can get explosive, uh, dynamic run plays. And when you get on your heels with that, you're in trouble against these guys. It is an 8.30 kickoff at Central Time from Frankfurt, Germany, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Miami Dolphins. Mitch, before I let you go, I want to ask you one more K-State question. So I don't know if you keep up with Go Powercat and Tim Fitzgerald and his daily deliveries. But he came after me earlier today because of uh, the way I announced Willie onto the field. And over the last couple of years, I've said Willie the Wildcat, and he says it should be 
Willie Wildcat. Do you have a take on that, on which way it should be? Well, let's go back to when it started, because I think it is Willie the Wildcat. And doesn't it go back? It's the old Ahern, Ahern discussion that went on for years. And and Fitz took shots at me for calling them the purple stop troops when they were on defense one time. So, you know, and I know Fitz has battled cancer and all that, but Fitz, hang in there, buddy. Just keep doing what you're doing. But for don't sure. throw rocks at my guy. I'm voting for Willie <laughs> the Wildcat because let's go back to when it started. And let's let's do the research to see it. If it's Willie Wildcat when they started, then okay, I got it. But let's don't change it and say, well, that's the way it is now when it really started as Willie the Wildcat. I know you, and you know Northwestern calls theirs Willie the Wildcat, too. I'm a Northwestern yeah. fan. It's been hard after what happened there. But they... They have won four games and won two Big Ten games that they call their mascot Willie the Wildcat. There's just plagiarism back and forth somewhere. But I think we had it first in Northwestern that has the famous Medill School of Journalism. Might want to discuss some plagiarism on this. (laughs) I knew you'd be the guy to ask. Mitch, thanks for uh, standing up for me and also uh, enjoy your trip to Deutschland. And I'm looking forward to hearing from you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, bis fata, schuss, and uh, prost. Exactly right. Thank you, Mitch. (laughs) That's the voice of the Chiefs. Mitch Holtz is here on the game. We'll take our last break of the hour, and we'll come back after these words. All right, we got a uh, couple of more minutes here. Mitch and Mitch versus Fitz. I'm on your side, and I'm going to light him up, dude. Fitz, bring anybody you want to yeah. the match. Yeah. We Mystery just got, partner. Yeah. We got Mitch Holtis to say, I don't appreciate you throwing rocks on my pal. Let's go. Let's bring it on. Fitz, dude, you just you woke up a sleeping giant. The game crew is after you, buddy. <laughs> We're after you. Do I have time to explain this whole thing? I think I do. So earlier today, Tim Fitzgerald, go power cat former host of Powercade Game Day, mm-hmm. um, put a tweet out there, tagged me in it, and said I have vicious, viciously attacked Mitch Fortner. I don't have the tweet pulled up here, but it's basically about it's the way I say Willie the Wildcat. It's not the way I say it. It's just saying Willie the Wildcat when Willie comes out on his Prairie Land partner's John Deere Gator. <laughs> and, um, and I used to say Willie Wildcat, just Willie Wildcat. But it was changed two years ago to Willie the Wildcat. Mm-hmm. I noticed that change. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Never heard a word from anybody about it. And then Fitz has all been out of shape. <laughs> I mean, coming <laughs> at me. For the jugular, dude. He came at you from left field. Basketball starts tonight with an exhibition. We've got Big 12 scheduling for four seasons in front of us. Football's <laughs> got a showdown with Texas. And Fitz comes at you today? I, I, know, I mean, man. really? This is the topic today? Man. (laughs) What are you going to do when you see him? Are you going to, like, chest up on him and be like, what's up, So when I announce Willie the Wildcat tonight, Willie the Wildcat, after Willie, I say that, Willie comes out and does his gimmick, I'm just going to stare down Fitz. (laughs) I'm going to give him a little stare down. Everybody watch for that tonight. I'm going to stare down Fitz. Where where they sit the media now, it works because Fitz can't throw anything at him. That's right. 
Dude, shout out to Fitz. He's cool, man. <laughs> I don't know. He might catch me at the press conference afterwards trying to give me an RKO or something. A little diamond cutter. Oh, man. Oh, boy. All right, we got to uh, wrap up the first hour, but coming up here in the next hour, Farmageddon coming to an end-ish. Bah humbug. Uh, plus the return of blank. I'm going to leave that first you know, as a secret. For now, a little teaser for hour number two. Coming up next, the game. Social Local News.